Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Number one. And I've got my good friend, Jed Neal. Um, me and Jed met 10 years ago in Ibiza, of all places. Uh, but Jed's got a very interesting story. Jed spent over 10 years in prison, uh, battled with a lot of drinking drugs, uh, in and out homes, man. So you used to obviously come on here and tell your story and how amazing you're doing, you know, just doing amazing things for yourself, but also amazing things helping other people. Um, so I want to talk about, obviously, the start of your younger years and obviously what you've went through, prison and stuff, and how you found it, and obviously we'll go for there. Aye. Well, the challenge, James, was um, to avoid the prison because it was the second sentence that I'd done, which was a fairly long sentence, was fundamental to wear a mother day just because I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. No idea about anybody that was involved in recovery. And, and while in there, it was really the start of the journey, but you never know at the start what's going to happen moving forward. It's only when you get so further forward, you look back and you say, well, that's actually where this all started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the new the new model in me. Um, and the results are speaking for myself because I never knew you at your darker days. Yep. I met you when you you were clean, you were fit and healthy. Yep. I was in a dark place. We met in Ibiza. On, I think it was five days we were at Ibiza. On... Driving to the airport, I was on the Charlie, taking Charlie in the airport, on the plane, and as soon as I landed for five days, mixed with a cocktail of drinking drugs, and yet I'm thinking, I'm the big man of the island, but looking back, man, I was a scared wee boy, I was lost, I was in such a fucking dark, dark place, that you must have seen that. James, obviously, because at that time I was very active in recovery and helping other young men, um, through their process, which is part of a recovery process if you're involved in a 12-step fellowship, where once you get up a wee bit, you go back and try and drag some people back with you. And of course, we've seen that, and you can see a lot of people's behaviour, but if you start running about like an evangelical, telling people what to do, they need to find their own level. And Generally, what happens is people are using bad habits to cope with what's currently going on in their life. No, it's an avoidance. How long have you been clean? 13 years now, over 13 years. And that's without drink, drugs? No drink, no drugs at all. I had, um, I was 26 when I was two years into that sentence, maybe two and a half years, 26 in Glen Oco. I'm just desperate to change and what everybody else normally does when they try and change is they try and change the body. So you go to the gym and you do more press-ups and you look physically good, but the real problem with anybody normally is psychological. What age did you get to jail? I got to jail first time when I was um, 18. 18, I'd done six years. I'd done three years and then while I was in there, I got another three year in there. 
was six to get out twenty two and um same again, chaos, just went up the dancing, a few beers, and then it was Eckies and the Charlie and fourteen months later I was back doing double that length for sentence again, twenty four. Stayed in there until I was twenty nine, so that was twelve years ago. How was your upbringing? Is that how do you feel? Very relevant because I was um, I had a terrible upbringing. I was not going to um, kid on that it was it was good, but it wasn't good. You know, young young parents as well, and their parents were the greatest as far as I could see. Uh, da he he was away at four, and then I was at ten different schools before primary five and then I've never been in school again so I've never actually been enrolled in any secondary school I went to the, the schools in the, um, in the country it was like residential schools and stuff like that with other people who I suppose society would have viewed them as bad boys, bad girls but they weren't they were just emotionally damaged uh, Do you think obviously when you're showing violence and anger do you think that's to be liked to get people to fit in as well? To because obviously, if you never felt love or think it's easy to do the bad shit to get in with the, the bad boys to kind of get that connection, I find that um, certainly people come for housing estates in, in Glasgow. And listen, I've worked with a lot of other people who stay in outskirts, um, Cumbernauld, Falkirk as well. We might generally the environment that you grow up in has massive implications on who you develop what coping skills that you develop and how you grow into a personality but what happened to me was I could not cope with the fact that all of a sudden one day your man's like what you'll never see us again we know on your left a we know like after my son um, and she was going through some challenges herself, but I was away in a home. I didn't know how to cope with that. I was only seven and getting and get bullied at Rotten. Before that, my brother, who was three years older than this, he was away. He, we stayed with separate grannies, so I stayed in the Wine Alley in Govan. He stayed in Norfolk Court in the Gorbals. But he used to just come down to my school when I was in school, Copeman Road, chat with Wendy and point out and say, come on. <laughs> and I'm trying to get the teacher's like, do not you dare go out there. And he's like, can tell me to fuck off. So I used to just run out the class and go away and buzz glue and smoke fags. I was smoking fags for seven up until um, 32 or something, 25 years smoking. Big Is that you after fags? Aye, for years. Good, aye, 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 good. Aye, for years. What made you change? Well, I had to. Do you know, it was like the mask was slipping. All the, the, the coping skills, like getting mad with it and it wasn't working anymore. And you know, here I was, 26 years of age. I've already done six, um, four years at that point. And the jail was two years into that sentence. was in a home for 10 years. No real life experience at all. Conditioned myself to be loud and aggressive so that people would stay away. And there's, where does that come from? So in the home, seven, don't really know what's going on. They send you out to school, getting bullied, rotting in the school. Don't know how to respond to that. And then somebody's like... People are like, oh, his mad doesn't want him. But I remember clearly somebody said, no, he's in a home, he must be a bad boy. So what you might accept, you're seven, either your mad doesn't want you or you're a bad boy. So I wore that one. I am in this home because I am a bad boy. And then I conditioned myself to respond to that and I got louder and aggressive. And then, obviously they knew there's a lot of talk and there has been for the last couple of years about radicalisation. And they would normally look at that as an ethnic group, i.e., um, extreme versions of Islam. They would say there's very, very much radicalisation against the young Muslim population in this country. 
worldwide. But if you go back to 15, more than that, 20 years ago, there was radicalisation in all the schemes in Glasgow with all the young people, men and women, who the knife crime was rampant. Mm-hmm. And that's what you've done. So when you're getting loud and aggressive and then obviously solvent, abuse comes in. When you're just a child, smoking cigarettes and then joints start coming in and then it's the wine because that's what everybody else is doing and then it becomes quite territorial. You're for that scheme, we're for this scheme and everybody's running about with knives and inevitably like I'm getting slashed, other people's getting slashed as well and then it just goes into a a big cycle of... Glasgow's a murder capital of Europe, I don't know if it still is because I know they made a lot of changes with knife crime but it's a fucking murder for the population that Glasgow's a tough city and it is all schemes and if you're for post when you're fighting Mary Hall Springburn, the amount of boys that die is unbelievable. Aye. And for what? For mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. You're, do you know it's what I mean? It's, it's, it's petty shit. Mm-hmm. And, but then if you look at people who go to say like Rangers games, they're fighting. Mm-hmm. That's their dads, their uncles, or a religion or football teams. A lot of these people don't even know what the fuck religion is. Really? It's just pure hatred. So it's a built up of hatred for years and years and years. And that passes down for generation to generation. So what the fuck do we do? Do you know what I mean? There's no point in, as yourself who made the changes and, and myself has made the changes. I believe it's taking responsibility admitting, fuck this man, this life isn't for me. So it's about admitting your problems and if I come up with ideas, my family quite no don't get it because they're stuck in their ways. They're too ancient in their thinking to understand my vision and my goals. So it's about just trying to create that something for yourself and, and making it work. And a lot of these wee boys and young team and that, they haven't got a why, they've not got a, an end goal to strive towards something in life. So if you go along Saracen, you'll see 15, 20 boys selling drugs, fighting. You'll be lucky if fucking half these wee boys will make the age of 16. Do you know what I mean? And it's sad to think that I'm I'm not so sure if it's getting worse. I think a lot of knife crime, a lot of stuff has kind of changed, man. But I don't know, man. It's but the, the work you're doing, you know, you're working with the brain, you know, aren't you? You're doing a lot of brain work. Aye, for for myself as well. I'm doing mm. a lot of hypnotherapy training, done in neuro linguistic programming and NLP. NLP. Very much interested in this CBT model, cognitive behavioural therapy, just now. Um, my pal Kevin, his girlfriend, she is a CBT therapist and trainer. So looking to try and get onto their courses. Listen, for myself, mate, mm-hmm. done massive techniques on myself because my stress level was through the roof. I can I trained myself through various experiences to respond to um, circumstances that I couldn't control with aggression and with violence. And do you know what? That's why I ended up in the places. Do you know what, wasn't it? A big hard luck story. I'm an error, I was in there because I've done things to people that they didn't deserve to happen to them but when you're in there putting badges on yourself saying he's this and he's that and they're this and they're that because you have got a lot of respect for the jails you have got a lot of you're well liked you're well liked as well did that then that shit did that eventually grow a conscience on you and hurt you in a way what happened is James as I just couldn't cope see the the trauma from my childhood it caught up with and I needed to find a way for to deal with my stress the autonomic nervous the part of the central nervous system, the autonomic part of that was my heartbeat was going rapidly, cortisol was continually in my body, adrenaline was flying through. I was in a state of readiness, so my body was prepared for a line to jump out and start attacking us, and I'm just going through the norms of life. So long-term exposure to that, symptoms of that are withdrawn from social activities, aggression, depression. So that all these symptoms were all written out. I had to find a way through that. And I read a book called About Alcoholics Anonymous and some guys like us coming up and telling a story and you're going, there is hope after this. 
But I read a book, Ruben Carter, The Hurricane. Do you know? Boxer. Aye, I read a Tens book, Ruben Carter. And do you know what somebody said to us as well? See if you keep doing the same things, you will get exactly the same results. So see when you find out how the brain actually works. If we learn to do something, and then as soon as we learn to do that, and we become, and we keep doing it, we keep doing it, we keep doing it, it becomes subconscious. Mm -hmm. So we are just going through life based on things that have happened in the past and responding to what's currently happened today because we responded there yesterday. 20 years ago. Aye, and it seems nothing's no working. If your life currently right now isn't where you want it to be, you're no achieving what you set out to, to, to if you've even set out to try and achieve it, and because life just booted you right in the boys, and now all of a sudden you're just getting out of your bed, doing, eating the same breakfast, going to the day the same thing, talking to the same people, Nothing's going to change because your brain is working exactly the same way it's always worked. And apparently, now I don't know where, how they measure this, but apparently we have between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day mm -hmm. and 90% of them are the same thoughts that we had yesterday. Subconscious. So if we keep on thinking the same things, we start, we have the same feelings. If we have the same feelings, we respond the same way and the experience of life is the exact same experience as it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And if, so how do we change that? And the best way to change that is, is to get new knowledge. So get your brain working in different combinations or have new experiences. And what I honestly think the new is, see what happened there, all the years in the home. Well, listen, a lot of them were shite, mate, pure shite. And then coming out of there, coping with that through buzzing, glowing gas when you're away, smoking fags. I mean, see, it's this is ridiculous. See, when you were 10 in a home, yeah, but they gave you four fags a day. So they gave you, can you imagine getting a wee boy at 10, four fags a day to now? Mm -hmm. And then when you were 13, you get seven, because we would have burnt the place down. So it was better that they took us into a controlled environment. They gave us four fags a day, one after your breakfast, one after your lunch, one after your dinner, and one at supper. And then when you were 13, you got three in between it. Is that a cam you're doing? But that's kind of feed, it's kind of... We were doing that anyway, uh, mate. Aye, we were doing so, Aye, we were wild. So you go into... The homes where it's like you go out to school, but because I was so traumatised by what happened to us and my, I just could not um, trust any adult figures. Mm -hmm. And because obviously my brother was three years older than us, he was ten, so he was getting in about all sorts of stuff. So we just used to run away all the time, you know, very, very streetwise, involved in millions and millions of, I wouldn't even um, downgrade them as petty crime, because they were obviously... A, a big Serious. inconvenience to people who were experiencing that, but just breaking into motors and car theft and stuff like that in the grand scheme and later on in life and things were a bit more serious then but it was still, a, it was, the pattern was still there mm. and then as soon as I got out of home at 17, put us in a, a, a single, we couldn't wait to get out of it to get us out of it and then in the jail straight away from there, doing that sentence, out of there 14 months later, back in again just doing the same things. Does the jail feel like, does the home feel like a jail? It's very similar, mate, when you go into the jail. Mm. It's more secure conditions, um, but the same people were in it. And the same thing is, it's like, you go in there at seven and there's a top man in it. So it's a bit like, oh, share a wee story when I'm talking. Um, when I was in um, Copeland Road Primary, say, Primary 4, maybe there, and I was the third best fighter in the class. Now, you're talking about that stuff, about the young boys for Poso and the tracksuits and the bags, selling the gear with a lot back. Mm. That's been going there for 25 years, mate. Because back then there wasn't a lot of motors, but the ones that had the motor was the guys that was doing the gear. Mm -hmm. So he's jumping about with the RS, whatever it's called, and the, the good Adidas trainers mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I was a pure tramp. So 
I'm getting into school and getting slagged because I was a pure paraffin lamp. The clothes yeah. I was wearing, so straight away you're learning, well, to fit in socially, I need to have the latest material possessions. Mm-hmm. So what I wear is a reflection of who I'm up. Now, fast forward that, 10, 20 years later, when you're getting into cruise and buying 500 pound trainers and a thousand pound jacket and 500 or 200 quid derms and stuff like that and 300 quid for a belt, which is quite cheap for a belt these Aye. days. So that you're walking out, I'm walking out thinking, You're the man. Who's going to slag us now? Aye. Do you know? I'm walking down the street thinking, somebody I don't even know is walking by going, Look at that guy here, look at that jacket. So you're spending money, you've no go to impress people you don't know, to feel but better, and then mm. you look at what's going on over people with followers and all the cosmetics. Sort of insecurities. Stuff. I know. It's and this is peer stuff. pressure. It's the outer stuff that we think it makes us as human beings. That's the 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 stuff is irrelevant. But if it makes you feel good, then so yep. be it. I've says it, but yep. it doesn't because they're constantly searching for it. They're constantly searching for that end product, and I probably says it in every podcast. But everything is within it. Is the mindset? It's the brain. How you think up here. So if you're constantly looking at other people and wishing they've got a great life for this, you're focusing your energy onto somebody else. And again, with the, the, the thought process, the 57,000 thoughts a day, the subconscious mind will flip that onto you every day. So people who are wanting to change their life, but doing the same fucking routine every day and no seeing different results, they're psychopaths, that's crazy. You've got to come out your comfort zone, and it is true, but they say life begins at the end of the comfort zone. To take that chance, to take that risk, to do something new, to create the life that you want, but too many people are stuck in that society for a young age, maybe their moms and dads have worked hard, so they'll say, you need to get a job, you need to get a trade, son, you need to get a trade, so before you know it, you're in that trade, before you know it, you've got enough bills, a house, and you can't afford to do anything else, because you need to stick in that job, before you know it, you're 50, you're 60, and you've not really accomplished what you want in life, and I'm not saying a trade's a bad thing to do, if you're working, then so be it, but the majority of people you'll see in the building trade, they're all fucking near enough alcoholics, mm-hmm. Do you know what I, I mean? would say I would go further than that. I would say that they're actually the lucky ones because see down below that there's a massive amount of people all around about us. And generally, if you look at the figures, it's thirty-five to forty-five. Do you know what I, I would suggest that people's coming from disadvantaged backgrounds and listen, you can get even emotionally abandoned staying in Newton Merns with all the trappings of success, do you know? Mm. So it's not just run about your environments, but it is a fact that if you come from a disadvantaged background, it's more likely you would have experienced domestic violence in your life after maybe your parents, or you would have been exposed to severe violence run about you at some point in your life, either at school, in the streets, or even in your household. Lots of parents have got addiction problems themselves. Mm. Lots of single parent families, so the, the family dynamics breaking up. Then you go out and you get run about your pals. You're not getting any value in the house, really. You go out there and you've got to get your value off your pals. So if you don't even know who you are, you'll be a joker to some people. You'll be the hard man to somebody else. You'll be dead serious to somebody else. And then you'll get to where, where I was, 26 years of age. You look yourself in the mirror and you say, who the fuck am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Like I know what I need to be for you, James. I know what I need to be for that guy. I know what I need to be for him. But who actually am I? And then it goes back to what you're saying there. See if there's nae, um see if there's no end goal in sight. If you if you are where you're the new and you don't want to be where you're right now, but you don't know where you do want to end up, then you don't know the journey you've got to travel. Mm-hmm. So see if you say, Here I'm or here, and this is where I want to go then at least you know where you want to go. So now we know how to map that out there. But if you don't know where you want to go, what the desired outcome is there, you're just stuck in this state right now, presently, 
which is fucking like hell because mm. it's like I don't want to be here life isn't again is what I want to be so how do we change that go to the gym five days a week go and get some go and take some steroids Aye. go and buy a new pair of trainers and then eventually what happens is when that doesn't work you go to the doctors and you say to the doctor listen this is what I'm experiencing and the doctor will say that's a chemical imbalance so take these tablets here now you know so now you go what's the matter with me oh here you know it's a chemical imbalance take the tablets does it change how you feel about yourself generally no oh, so what you do is pain, you go to the therapist and then you speak to the therapist and you'll say to the therapist oh my ma couldn't look after us I went into these homes I get bullied mercilessly I learned to become loud and aggressive I became radicalised I ended up using drinking drugs and then I went in the prisons and it was chaos in there and, and she'll say, aye, that's what's the matter with you there, you know, we've got this deep sense of abandonment and now that I know that all the experiences have had an impact in my life, does it change how I feel now? Fucking no, I still feel the same way, so know what I do, I go to the fortune teller. And she goes and reads all the stuff for his own. She'll say, do you know what happened to you? You're actually Genghis Khan's main man. <laughs> and you get murdered off of some Arabian prince away back next and out. And see, now that I know that I was Genghis Khan's main man and I've got a stain in my soul, does that help us deal with the stress in my life? Fucking no. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You go to astrology. And she does your readings and the calculations and then says to you, do you know what the problem is with you? You were born... Cesarean sections are right, aye, 20 minutes too early. The stars have aligned when they aligned, right, that's with some art. And now I know that that's some art ways I know. Does that help? No. So see, now that I know exactly what happened to us in the past, has got a correlation to how I'm thinking. And because of what I'm thinking, I'm starting to feel these sensations and I'm saying, oh, do you know what this is? This is anger. How do you deal with anger? Well, in the past, boom, and here's how. And you just keep on doing the same shit. Constantly searching for answers. You've got to change. So you've got mm -hmm. to do what you say is a couple of sentences ago. You've got to take responsibility because that gives you empowerment. Mm -hmm. Whose responsibility is it to deal with my shame? Mine. Mm -hmm. Whose responsibility is it to deal with my anger based on what happened in the past? Mine. Whose responsibility is it to heal the deep sacred wounds that I experienced? Mine. Mm -hmm. Do you know? Because see if I don't do it, what happens is I end up mere guilt and mere shame because how I'm trying to cope with that is spilling out and damaging other young men, other mothers and fathers whose sons are suffering as a result of me. They might have wanes themselves. Their partners are all devastated because my dog here can't control his emotional nature and it's spilling out. And then what's happening is I'm going through high court trials and calling, having the fucking cheek to tell grasses. There's a grass up there. A guy who's gone to his work, sees a mad dog like me doing massive violence on another young man, stands to help the person, the police come along, take his details off him, ends up up at a high court with all sorts of people looking at him, QCs, judges, juries, packed people in the gallery, me sitting there growling at them when they're on the dock. They don't even want to tell the truth because they've been conditioned. Oh, it's grasses, isn't oh, it? Yeah. They go to court. So they say, can you see the man here? No, 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 I can't see him. Hold on the new. You described a 5 foot 11 male, X of stone, black hair. And did you know pick him out in an ID parade? No, no, I didn't do it because they don't want to be grasses. And then oh, they say to him, do you know what perjury is? Do you know that you can go to the jail for that? So then the poor guy flaps and says, and tells the truth about what actually happened. No anybody I know, James, no anybody that's involved in any crime. A guy going to his bloody work and I'm sitting up at that bar on trial going, 
I says it wasn't for that grass or it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. Saves it wasn't for fucking me. Mm-hmm. No being able to cope with the circumstances that happened in my life. Then you get to the yeah, bit where you start taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Whose responsibility is to change it? And but me trying to change it, I'm not I don't want to live like this. Let's go and do a hundred kilo. Five reps of a hundred kilo in the gym, that'll change it. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe a two circuits a week, that'll change it. Trying to change the body when the body's a slave and it's the mind that's the master. Mm-hmm. So if you want to change it, you've got to change your mind. Change your mindset. Again, everything you're saying is spot on. When you do something, if you're doing an act of violence, if you're hurting somebody, you ain't just hurting them. It's a snowball effect where it's 100, 200 people it can possibly affect. Do you know what I mean? And again, with people who are unsure what they want to do, if you're unsure, the universe comes unsure. So if you're all the places, you don't know what you sure you want to do with your life, you're fucking all the place. You're hitting hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. You've got to be concrete in what you want to achieve in life. Write it down, how much you want to make, what job you want to get and fucking strive after it, man, and get the life. But if you've come through homes, jails, getting fed drink, getting fed drugs, that is hard for somebody to change their mindset. But you're going run jails and that, you know, you're doing a lot of no, stuff. No, well, it's what happened is, mate, but that's the thing that we're trying to do. So, obviously, part of your the process of being in recovery is, depending on what fellowship that you're a member of, you go into prisons and institutions, the same as you go to meet, you take meetings into, into the locked establishment the same way that they took one in for me that mate in Glen Oco had been gone for years it just so happened a boy who is dead now mad me crack flung his cell out a window he said to me listen come on up to this meeting come on up listen I'm like no you're thinking fucking rab seeing us but it's part of your own that's what you're thinking of it. you go the guy's like out there pure tramp homeless Lost all his possessions, lost all his family, just drank the bit out, and he is an alcoholic. But when you find out what alcoholism actually is, if you find out what addiction actually is, you go, well, he's just a bit further down the road than me, and anybody can put the breakers on it and say, here, how's, and how we done it is, I went up there, I didn't have to say it, and I didn't have to do it, and I just sat and listened to a guy talking, and then I listened to another guy, and another guy, as the weeks went on, and I started saying, that's how I feel. That's how I'm drinking, that's how I'm using drugs, and that's the reason why I'm doing it. So then you learn, because it's obviously the drinking the drugs that's the problem and all, and then as you show up taking drinking drugs, you're still experiencing the same thing. So you're saying, well, what is it? And what I honestly think is, see, rather than just telling a wee motivational story, here's what happened to me, and some people go, what a fanny, and other people go, oh, it's tremendous what you've done. The bottom line is, I have got experience for 25 years, that I can use that experience to go back and to help other young guys, 18, 19, 20, 21, to move away from that life, not just by telling my story, but also showing them the techniques, the tools, the strategies that I used on myself, but I'm also using and I'm also learning because the reality is, because of my background, if I want to start getting involved in maybe helping young offenders, care experienced young people, then I will need to make sure that I have my credentials are impeccable in terms of the education that I've got. So what I'm doing is that the hypnotherapy stuff and the relaxation um, therapy stuff, it was through the London College of Clinical Hypnotherapy. Now the training provider I was talking to earlier is the Harvest Clinic in Glasgow, Angela Trainer, that are fucking brilliant me. Because you gave me her numbers, because I've said it before, there's a lot of rooted problems that I've still not battled. And again, it is the mindset, because every day I'm, I'm fighting a battle every fucking day. There's days I don't, I, the majority of days I don't want to get my bed, I don't want to go for a run. I'm forcing it. 
which is good, and that's how you change your mindset and you get things done because I'm doing big things, man. But every day is a struggle. Every day is a struggle, and you're and I'm constantly fighting a battle. I just think if I work on these problems that I've suppressed for so long, I think it is going to take us to the next level because I've become honest and open. As much as I say I'm honest, there's still things I don't talk about. I'm still things I put to the side because obviously, fucking, can I talk about them? But for somebody in that harvest clinic, I just think I need to go and speak to somebody to get everything out in the open, man, and say, right, this is because if they ask me questions. That's me and you talking, and I'll be as honest as I can be, but there's still obviously some dark-rooted problems there that maybe too much pride, too ashamed to talk about. Um, so I just think I need somebody I can trust to speak to and say, look, this is my problems. This is I want to be honest with you and take it to the next level. And what can you do? Because I don't want to be going to doctors and getting fed Valium because I've did that well to get to where I'm on now through all the help, but I don't want to be... Is, am I kidding myself on more this positivity and this motivational stuff because it is a quick fix it's like you go to the jail and can I be motivational speak that only makes you feel good for a day the rooted problems in the mindset still fucking there do you know what I mean when you try to get the strategies and the tools I'm trying to get a strategy to say right wait a minute I was depressed I was suicidal I had a lot of anger and frustration I was shagging everything I was taking a lot of drinking drugs what was I doing that for to heal something to numb something to find that Something that I was searching for in life to make me feel better. But all the stuff I was doing was make me feel a hundred times worse. Do you know what I mean? I was in such a dark place where it was joints at night, Valium during the week, and Charlie at the weekend. And I'm going on holiday, that time on holiday. I was mad with for five days. And I'm thinking, this is a great holiday. Looking back now, man, I was, in, I was in such a dark, dark place, man. And the people I was surrounded by were the exact same. And as you say, the most loudest people and the maddest people are the weakest. So all my pals who think they're tough nuts, all I see now is vulnerability and weakness. Do you know what I mean? Because what you're trying to do is protect your fragile wee heart. When you're, when you're getting violence to it, you get a rush for that. You get some sort of power, empowerment when you're doing that. So if they're doing that constantly, in my opinion, the loudest people and the maddest people are the weakest people. So if you're constantly showing violence, it's just a way... To try to portray yourself as being strong and being fine, when really you're hiding face something. Do you know I what think, I mean? Uh, no, I don't know exactly what you mean. I think when you recognise the symptoms of stress, and you recognise that people go into, to listen, there's a few ones, but the predominant ones are fight or flight, and everybody's yeah. generally heard of that. And when you start recognising somebody who's becoming very aggressive and stuff like that, generally you can start saying, well, listen, I'm seeing him now, that's just, um, that guy's in flight, his autonomic nervous system, the pro, the automatic part of his system has seen danger based on whatever his sensory data that he's taking in and he's responding based on what he thinks has happened in the past is going to happen again in the future, i.e. the present. And what I also think I know is, is that there's some people that you can't reach, James, but do you know who you can take responsibility for? Yourself. Yourself is the biggest one. And I honestly, see the day, every day, mate, every day I got up every single morning and meditate for 30 minutes so when you are in IB for all crackers where I'm away meditating with your boats because we used to laugh at you we used to day. laugh at you fucking meditating we're just, we're just we're just in and then what I do is, is I regulate my, my system mm -hmm. regularly so before I go into a stressful event when I come out for a stressful event I do some very basic techniques that I teach other people how to do it so the stuff that I'm doing now, the, the workshops and stuff like that, is, is that I do the stress management, full stress management, down-regulate down the body. Mm -hmm. So the body is responding 
to things that have happened in the past and memories associated with emotions. So the reason you remember something is because of how you felt when it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So if you've had traumatic experiences, if you've been subjected to violence or any other traumatic event that could have happened in your life, you will your sensory data, i.e. what you're seeing, what you're hearing, uh, you're using your five senses is bringing in millions of data into your brain and unconsciously, your brain will start sending signals down into the body to say, here's an event that reminds us very much like that last event and remember how you felt that time that that happened and your body gets into a state of readiness. Mm -hmm. So you're going for a job interview and maybe you're a wee boy and you were humiliated like me when you were in school because you were a wee tramp and the teacher's obviously exasperated with my behaviour and too scared to answer the question and I say, listen, I don't really know where it is and maybe the embarrassing shame you were at and now all of a sudden you're going for a job interview, you're trying to put your best foot forward and before you go in for that job interview, your heart's beating right out your chest, do you know, all the blood goes to the back of your brain so you can't think properly, adrenaline's running through and everybody's walking about kid knowing that this is no happening. You're starting to sweat and stuff like that, which is just a natural response because your body is experiencing a state of readiness because they think there's danger in the environment. It's getting you ready for a big line to chase you down the street and all you're doing is going for a job interview. Based on the last time I had to talk in front of people that I didn't know, remember the shame that you felt, remember the humiliation. And see when that's going on day after day after day, do you know what you do need to do to cope with it? You need to smoke green meat, you need to take Valium, you need to get mad with it because do you know what it is? I cannot cope with what's currently going on here, so let's alter that state. So when you take cocaine, dopamine comes into your system, mm. you get that feeling of well-being, you get that rush, but what must go up must come down. And now all your things are hundred times worse. hundred times worse. So a, I, like I say, sorry mate, you're like, it's like an onion. What happens is, you're brought in this earth for a purpose. I believe we're all spiritual beings. So you're brought in this earth for a purpose. But when you go through life, maybe through the mental abuse, physical abuse, the torment, I'm no good enough. He's got better clothes than me. I'm no good looking. I'm too fat. You wrap yourself in, in layers like an onion. So when I was 30 and I made the changes, I didn't know who the fuck I was. I'd put on so much of an act for 12 years, 15 years, through all the shit that I'd done. I didn't know who I was. So I had to unravel that. And right now, man, as I unravel it, I'm still trying to find my purpose. I'm trying to find my well-being. But you can change your central nervous system. You can change your mindset. There's a man called Wim Hof. I don't know if you know him. Nice. This guy, was he can, I think he runs up Mount Everest nice. in his shorts and T-shirt. Everything with him is breathing techniques. He commands his central nervous aye, system. He changes his central nervous aye. system, aye. He commands his brain. So basically what's happening is you've got a function in your brain, right, called the executive function. So you've got this frontal fourplex on your brain that's meant to go... I am the chief executive officer of this company. And when a chief executive officer looks at one department in the company and that department's absolutely performing horrendously, it changes the department. But we see, we us, we don't use the executive officer. The department that's fucked is the one that's running the show. And what it starts doing is, it starts sending signals by chemicals into the body. Our body starts responding to that. And before you know it, we're not sleeping properly. We've got this, these sensations that's going on with our body. We start saying, oh, it's anxiousness and stuff like that. Long-term exposure to that, mate, is that your immune system is totally compromised. You end up with all sorts of... Um, flus, all sorts of colds constantly and then it starts getting to more serious illnesses the longer that you're exposed to it. Because that's disease when they say, disease, when you're at disease mate. it causes disease. 
So people are agitated, frustrated, no well. So what happens is everybody's got an aura. So it pokes holes in your aura, and this is where the disease gets in. If you're at this all the time, frustrated, tense, angry, frustrated, you'll find these people are, are constantly no well. Like I say, the yoga is something I dip my toe into time to time. Uh, it's something I am struggle with. I do a Bikram yoga and that, but I'll do it for like three, four weeks, then I'll dip away for two months, three months. It's the breathing techniques and the mindset. That's something I'm trying to master this year. To, to, to work on my breathing because I know it's going to help with the mindset and because when people people like yourself 10 years ago 5 years ago doing yoga but like, look at that funny do you know what I mean it's but then I know it's not changed now man it's, see it's, where it is I know see if you could say to somebody listen I could teach you how to change your mind and as a result of changing your mind you would develop new thoughts and because you're having new thoughts you would have new feelings and because you're having new feelings you would do new actions and based on the new actions you would have a new experience of life and all you would have to do is 60 breaths four times a day so no 60 or 60 on so if you do 10 breaths in the morning 10 breaths at tea time 10 breaths at night and then you can do another 30 breaths there to take you down to a level. And if you do that consistently, your life would entirely change. Mm -hmm. Most people would say, I would do that in an instantly. But see, the reality is, that's it. That's how challenging it is. Do you think they should be doing yoga at schools? I think they're starting to do a lot of mindfulness at school mm -hmm. now. And you've got to be aware as well how commercial that we are in this country. So again, it's like, I don't feel good, but if I've got £200 pair of trainers, then I will. So mm -hmm. you've got people who are... Um, living no far off the breadline and stuff like that who are having to find money to send their wains to school with these garments on and let's be honest what are these garments these are cotton that grows in fields it's leather which is animal skin and it's goat's hair so we're all walking about with this animal hair goat's hair because it's made by maybe Gucci or mm -hmm. Dulce and Gabbana we're going fucking hell I am the absolute man. Mm -hmm. But how long does that actually last? No, what we wear is very, very, very quick. So what's the next thing that you're going to do? To get bigger, bit better, mere. Let's, what, what's the other one? Let's go to the gym. Oh, I'm not as big as I want to do. Let's take some chemicals into our body to make us bigger. How does that stand for you? That's just the insecurities, everybody, but the inferior. what you've got to do is, is that you've got to learn stuff. So I would suggest to people, read a book. Read somebody an inspirational book. Find somebody either the new, that's on about you, maybe you, James, or else you find somebody that's been in history, maybe Nelson Mandela. Mm. You look back, maybe Gandhi, stuff like that, mm. and you look back at the people and you model them and you say, what is the difference between me and him? Because if you've not got any disabilities, you've got two eyes, you've got a nose, you've got two ears, you've got the full you're physical fat yeah. attributes as that other person. So... He has got the same human abilities that I've got. And then if you look at somebody's brain, so they took Einstein's brain, right? So they took Einstein's brain out and they studied it, they had it in a jar and they looked at it. And do you know what they found? Einstein's brain is the exact same brain that we've got. Aye. There's no difference. So if we've not got any difference, then what is it that these exceptional human beings are doing that we think, wow, I would really like to do that? Because see if you model them, if you do what they done, it's likely that you'll get a similar set of results. Model image. Got. So if Tiger Woods go for a, whatever, if you model on them, you can get to a certain level then, but then you can put your own spin there. Success leaves clues. I think it's Think Now, Grow Rich. Oh, yes, Think Now, Grow Rich is a book for people to read, man. It's uh, they interviewed like 500 of the most successful people in the world, and it's all basically the same. 
It's all basically the same clues. It's just well, fear is controlling tell people. You something, you know, but you're talking about that was what nineteen twenty-two. So aye. it's Napoleon Hill, aye, right? Aye. Something like that. Aye, right. Aye. But well, see, if you want, uh, see if you want to look at the most current stuff, I would suggest that they look at a guy called Doctor Joe Dispenser. That's the link you said. Evolve your brain, becoming supernatural, and what they'll tell you is exactly how your brain works, exactly what memory works, what feelings work, how unconscious makes your behaviours. Apparently, they were saying. It was like 95% of what we do is subconscious. Mm -hmm. So we have got 95% of what we do constantly. So think about it. See, when you go for a shave, do you go, how do you shave? No, you just got up. The program's already there. You got up. I'm going to go and shave. Right, let's put that program in. Then you go and shave. Brush your teeth. Normally, people take the same amount of stuff in their coffee. They go out for a night out. They take the same amount of beers. They buy the same amount of clothes. They do the same amount of workouts. Generally, everything that we do is very familiar. It's very routine. It's very unconscious. Jump your motor. Oh, do you go clutch and go? You just go now, mate. But as a human being, we're not supposed to struggle. We're not supposed to feel hurt and pain. That's why we do everything in our comfort zone. We don't want to step out of it because if we do, go fuck this. We, we, we don't, aye, we don't we understand evolve. it. Who was it? Is it Edison? That's the guy that made the light bulb. Aye, 3,000 times it took him to do that. 10,000 of us. Was it 10,000? <laughs> well, there's between 3,000. And this is a guy who never gave up, man, who never quit. And this is what it's all about. And if your body's going through 95% of the same shit that you do week in, week out, which you probably do if you were right it, don't you? Get up in the morning, brush your teeth, take a shit, fucking make same. your breakfast, lunch, go to work, and you're doing it constantly. It's not even that. You go to the same route for work, you talk right. to the same people, you've got the same groups of friends, you go to the same gym, you do the same classes. So... See if you just keep on doing the same things, right? And your life's brilliant, good. But see if honestly you're saying, I'm not coming on this talk show and saying it on, no saying like that, but if you're just sitting there and you're saying to yourself, my life isn't how I planned it to be. The relationships that I've got the new are no how I intended them to be. Or you've got a belief system that all men are bastards because you've had a few um, damaging relationships in the past or all women can't be trusted and new. What's happening is you go into a relationship and you think, well, what happened in the past is going to equal my future. So you start acting out and protecting yourself so that this thing that might happen in the future, I better protect myself for this thing that might happen. Because who actually sits in their bed at night and goes, ah, thinks of the best thing that can possibly happen? Most people actually think of the worst thing that can possibly happen and then wind themselves up. But instead they're saying, Oh, I might lose my job, I might not have enough money to pay these balls, or I'm never going to meet anybody that's, that's going to fill my life with passion, with joy, give me a sense of deep security, I can go and have Wayne's way, go and travel the world and journey through life. Most people, who, who actually sits and thinks, I'm going to meet the most incredible person in the world, as a matter of fact, see if I lost my job, it's the best thing that could happen to me, because it would force me to go and get new skills, to have new experiences, and instead of earning 40, 50, 60 grand a year, I'm going to go and earn big bucks, bro, or then I line in a bed and say, what would I spend that big bucks on? Before you know it, they're on a Caribbean cruise, and then they're a mm -hmm. first class to Dubai, and they're just using their imagination, but instead of using it to self-sabotage themselves, they're using it to make themselves feel brilliant. Then they get up in the morning, and then they go, oh, oh, I just feel brilliant that way night, and Dubai was fantastic mm -hmm. last night. For people in the struggle right now, because I put a post out yesterday, for people in the struggle, that doesn't have to, what was that says, that for people that's in the struggle, it doesn't have to be that way because your struggle isn't as big as your, what does that fucking says? 
something like that anyway. But for anybody in the struggle, what, what would you say to them? What advice would you give them? I would suggest to anybody not to accept anything less than absolute joy, happiness, freedom. If they've not got that to do, say to yourself, well, there is enough evidence out there to say that the state that you should be experiencing life is happiness. See if you've been happy once in your life, then it exists. It's not a myth. So see if you've been confident once in your life, then you now know that confidence is a state that actually exists. So see if it existed for one day, it can exist another day. So what was the conditions like in my life when I was confident and I was happy? Because see if you can mirror them, it's possible that you'll do the same stuff. See if you've had very traumatic experiences in your life who have left deep, sacred wounds in you and you're now basing your life own what's happened in the past instead of the possibilities and excitement that might be happening in the future, I would suggest that you go and speak to somebody who's properly qualified. Maybe the, the therapist in the, uh, the, the Harvest Clinic, my pal Kevin's girlfriend Jennifer as well, she would be somebody who would be very, very good to go and talk to to get some, just to get a, a, some closure on it all. But the most important thing that anybody can do right now is just take responsibility and say, what well, i done, I am no fucking taking this anymore. I am no accepting that this is the way that my life has to be. I am living my life based on the events that happened 20-odd years ago. We orphan Annie are here, and I'm basing how I feel about myself based on the fact that Mama had some major issues in her life. She couldn't look after me, and I've took that as a major rejection. So now what's happening with me, James, is I was going out. So I was in A8 this time. Mm-hmm. I was at a meeting, but the last year I was going out with Cumberland, who had a terrible time, by the way, a terrible time while I was working out a lot of shit. I'm saying to people, oh, I can't wait, that lassie, she's away out to the dancing with her pals, I'll go up the road, they'll have a Chinese, and I'll watch Match of the Day, and it'll be brilliant, I've got this new life, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take any drugs, look, I've learned some accountancy stuff, I'm out there with my wee accountancy work, and I've got a good motor, and I'm fit and I'm healthy, what a lot of shite, <laughs> honestly, as soon as I got up the road, mate, I'm trying to eat the curry, my central nervous system's kicked in, and do you know one of the aspects of it is, it's no time to digest a nice meal when there's a threat in the environment, so I'm sitting going, maybe she's talking to somebody, mm-hmm. And then I'm having another wee bite and I'm going, maybe she's dancing with something. <laughs> and then another, maybe she's getting numbers. Maybe mm-hmm. she's getting then your kids taking you away down there. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is two in the morning, what times are dancing shot and then you get time you get a taxi. Where the fuck is she? She should be up the road to now, mm-hmm. keeping out the curtains every time a motor comes up. Up to high door and then having the fucking cheap meat. As soon as the taxi gets up, take a big dive into bed, kid on your sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's on the, your again, sleep. that's the insecurity issue. Do you think that's a lot of the vulnerability and the. I would say don't accept that, yeah. mate. Do you know what that is there? And then getting up in the morning, she's obviously mad with why to come in and be intimate yeah. with you, and you're like, oh no, no, I don't. And then get up in the morning. She's got a sore head and I'm slamming doors and all that. <laughs> Based on what I've just made up in Your my mind, life. Aye. Because my mum didn't want this when I was a wee boy. I've got major abandonment issues in here. I'm so low and I'm so insecure that even if I'm in a relationship, I need to cheat with everybody that I can take is because if somebody wants this, I'll value myself. Mm-hmm. And if nobody wants this, then what's the matter with me again? And what I would suggest is, to be honest with you, mate, see that there? 
that's low level domestic abuse, you know. And when that starts escalating, that's why there's massive domestic that's abuse. A, that, that's the mental abuse of the factors, isn't it? That's a lot of shit I struggle with because I, I fucked about all of the I want to be. Do you know what I mean? Because I was insecure, because I was scared of getting hurted, so I hurt them first. So the past equals the future. Aye. So what happened in the past is going to happen mm. in the future. Again. So how did you control that then? But I would suggest that everybody's got to do is work on themselves. So if your mind's working in one way, let me tell you, that's me trying to do the best for my life. That's me. The, that behaviour is me trying to make myself happy. That's me trying to make myself whole. That's me trying to make myself secure in life, right? And that's not working anymore. And see when you kid on that that's not happening or that, oh, I'll go up and watch the Champions League and I'll have a curry. Mm. See when you say, listen... I'm not going up to watch a curry. I'm jealous here, by the way. I'm going to be up there and I'm going to be demented. And instead of saying, look what you're doing to me, get out with your mm-hmm. pals like that, instead of doing that and start saying, well, hold on to know, whose responsibility is this? Talking about take responsibility, it leads to empowerment. What can I do to change this? Who can I speak to? What techniques can I learn? What strategies can I adopt here? What can I do to change my mind? And then you would start suggesting you read books like The Road Dress Travelled and you start getting an idea about how the mind works, how childhood abandonment equals generally mm-hmm. broken relationships further down life, how I end up with limiting beliefs that there's clearly something the matter with me. Who's going to want me if mine? My Disney want is. And then you start basing your life on events that people can't even remember, but they've left big scars on you. And what I've done is, I started reading new information. I mean, taking new information in about how you should conduct yourself, how you should communicate, how you should live your life. And what happened is, I took that information. Wow, to be honest, learn to live honestly, learn to live with dignity, respect. Nelson Mandela reading his book and I'm going right then you start practicing these things and you start saying what's the things that I'm doing right now that's contributing to the things in my life that I don't want what am I doing do you know what am I doing loud and aggressive no longer works that's alright when you're locked up in the jail I'm not in the jail anymore so I can't conduct myself loud and aggressive to keep people away so I need to go and learn communication skills that will enable me to have difficult conversations and difficult circumstances so that I'm not reverting back to loud and aggressive and violence because if you do the same things what happens you get the same results so do you do you ever do you ever get angry or frustrated anywhere it's an actual emotion you just handle it better well no I've I've learned how to express it in a different manner Mm. see if I was dead happy I wouldn't suppress my laughter uh-huh. I would just mean you would just be giggling away quite the thing and yet when we're angry we get shamed about it uh-huh. see if you don't see if you don't behave yourself Santa's not going to come uh-huh. see if you don't behave yourself you're not getting a cake so we start people to try and manage we start getting um, veiled threats so basically what we're saying is to be angry is something to be ashamed of and it fucking isn't me it's like saying you're angry go oh, you fucking day uh-huh. get it out of you but it's not acceptable to start using violence to start to resolve things so I've got to learn skills so learn some new information but the key thing that I do is is that I learn to go down for this conscious level of conditioning the beta frequencies that how our brain operates when we're in me and you operating through five senses right now Take it down to the alpha level, into theta, and have a clear idea about who you want to be. So it's like, it's good when you do goal settings, like, some people want to get 
islands in Haiti and eat all these fast mm. more. Good for you, go for that. Who likes listen, if there's abundance in the world and it's possible, then that's possible. But why not start right here? Why not go like that? Who are you gonna be, James? What sort of person are you gonna be? Doesn't matter what the conditions that you're in, doesn't matter who's running about you, doesn't matter how other people are behaving. Who are you going to be? So then I say, Jed, who are you going to be? So I'm saying, look, I'm going to be a man of integrity. What does that mean? Because it's very, very general. That. Well, that means that I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be responsible. Do you know, I'm going to be faithful. Does that mean that you don't get overwhelming urges when life is not going your way to act like that? Of course it doesn't. These things are still ripping out of you. But if I say, this is what I intend to do, this is my intention, but my body starts acting, my heart's gone, my heart's racing, adrenaline starts running through, so on, my body's now doing this, so now I need to become different from what I've intended to be, no, here's who I'm going to be, and regard if I get through a day and I don't quite live up to that, I'm going to review that and say, what can I do better, because this is who I choose to be, maybe I always became a product of past experiences that conditioned us to respond a certain way, and now I'm... Um, my behaviour, how I'm responding to the conditions in my life right now is based on past events and past conditioning. But of all of a sudden I say, this is who I'm going to be. I'm not saying I'm at right now, but this is who I'm going to be. And I am no prepared to take that I can't achieve this. Mm -hmm. So how can you not become honest? See, if you want to become honest, you know what to do? Stop being dishonest. Mm -hmm. Fucking dead easy. Wake up every day and say, get yourself a beta, don't you alpha? Visualise. What would an honest Jed look like? How would an honest Jed walk? What would his voice projection be like? What would an honest Jed be doing in his life? How would an honest Jed feel? So then you start saying, well, I would be walking like this. My body language would be open. I would start feeling confident, energy, vitality. So in your meditation, you go, what does confidence feel like? What does energize feel like? And you create the feeling. Mm -hmm. So you start commanding your body to start responding to how you, what your intention was. The intelligent part of my brain is saying, this is how I'm going to be. My body's got different ideas because that's living in the past, but I'm saying, no, let's bring it right into the future. Does it work all the time? No. But do you know what's happened as a result of that? My mind has opened up. Never been to school. Primary five, never been in school. Never used my mental faculties. I used to read a book. Somebody suggested five to ten, five to fifteen pages of a book. It's going to inspire you, motivate you, or educate you. So you start reading the stuff. You get three pages down. You're thinking, right, who's coming up to visit us and who's scoring to visit us and blah blah blah. Then you go, what have I just read? I can't remember. So let's go right back and revisit it. Oh, same again, same again. See, six months later, after you've been involved in that process, somebody will say to you, what did you just read in the 15 pages? And you'll be able to tell them exactly what you've just read, what it means to you, and how your interpretation you're going to um, put that into your daily living. What is that when you're reading something and you can't, because I need to listen to audiobooks, I struggle with that. I'll read a page and I go, what the fuck did I read? And I need to flip back. never used it. Mm -hmm. You've not trained it, so it's mm -hmm. like you you don't go to the gym or you don't do any yeah, running yeah. and then go and try and run a marathon, you'll mm -hmm. be fucked. Mm -hmm. But say if you go and say, I'm going to go and run it, if you've not got any disabilities, and even lots of people with disabilities have ran lots and lots of marathons, but if you've not got any and it's just because you've not decided, you have spent your time doing something else rather than training up for a marathon, then you will struggle to do a marathon. But see if you say three, four months before it, let's do a couple of 6Ks, let's do it, and you follow the training programme, you will fly through that marathon, mate. Mm -hmm. So it's eating, 
Say if you want to do it, just go through the process, just say, right, 10 to 15 pages of a book every single day and just stick with it, stick with it. Stick Who did, with did it. anybody give you any guidance? Did anybody uh, look up to and go, man, he's doing well, he's... he's and there was an old guy called Ricky Joe, right? So everybody in the back in the old day, they got a double barrel name like Jack Your Heart and mm -hmm. Killer Mig Up and all that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fucking old gangster <laughs> film, doesn't it? <laughs> So it's one of them. So he was a uh, old guy. Took us through a twelve-step program, mate, and it was honestly it was life-changing. But it was like, see the first time I went in and seen him, seen him at a meeting. I said he's going to give a wee horn and take us through a twelve-step program. No, he done. He says I would love to do that, son. So you go in a wee room. It's in a jail. So it's in a jail. I've got fucking five years left today, but I'm dying to change, right? Me, I really want to change. I'm using drugs in there as well. I don't want to use them anymore. And he goes like that. Took us in a wee room. And he says, "Can I give you a cuddle, son?" I'm like, yeah, I need bother. So it was like one of the evil ones. So, bro, how you doing, bro? I had no human in contact for years, really, right, mate? And he grabbed this dead tight and he's like, it's going to be all right, son. And I'm like, I need bother, mate, right? And he's like, ah, we're going to change things. It's got to get back. And he really started fucking greeting me, right? Is that because you get some through. love? Ah, he broke through it oh, all. And he's seen the mask and he says, it's going to be alright. Now, bear in mind, James, I was a big boy at that time. Mm. I was training myself constantly. I was very aggressive and I was very, very violent as well. And I trained myself to be like that. And he just punched a hole right through it. And he took us through this process where I looked about what happened in my childhood. As part of that, he encouraged me to go and get my social work records. And I taught the social worker a big pile of that. And then I started seeing a wee note that my ma wrote when she left us. Please look after my son. And and eh. Uh, and then you see the circumstances. When you're seven, you can't understand. But when mm. I was 26 and I look back, my ma had cancer. I don't know what was going on in the relationship, but it wasn't good. We were in all sorts of women's refuges and hostels. We were pure poor. Sometimes we couldn't eat. I wet in the bed constantly because I was so traumatised. There was no washing machines. She just thought that somebody else looking after her son would give her the life that she couldn't give. But when I was seven years of age and I'm saying, my ma doesn't want me here, yeah, yeah, yeah. then it, it left big scars. And she's actually trying to do your favour. So see, when I get through there, whose responsibility to change? And then you go back and you look at it all and you say, ah, that is why. But see, as I keep revisiting that, I keep on, if memory, the reason we remember something is because we how we felt when we experienced that. that if I keep remembering that, I'll experience the same emotion. So if I keep running there the same ground, I'll still I'll feel the same feelings. And because I'm feeling these things, this is my response to the world. So I say it's right now that I know what's happened here, and now I've got a bit of understanding, and now I get a different story about it all. That didn't happen. I wasn't discarded because nobody wanted. There was a big story behind all that. And then I looked at that and I said, right, well, how can I move on for that? Techniques like prayer and meditation. Now prayer, people think prayers like a Christian orientated and it is because we're very indoctrinated in Christianity here and you go to Catholic schools but even when I went to school it was all very Christian nativity festivals uh, Christmas mm -hmm. uh, Christian uh, religious festivals like Christmas like Easter things like that and you were taught to do that at school so then you think well if there's a power that exists it's certainly this Christian one but it's not satisfying me anymore when I'm in the jungle and running about like Rambo and other people are being Rambo on me and you discard that and then somebody says well listen you can choose your own concept of this power and you can go out into this field and if all prayer is is auto-suggestion so if you're getting down every morning and saying use the term God or you just go in and say whatever that higher power happens to be for you and you say look 
Siri Day, I am going to be the best version of myself possible. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have integrity. That means that I'm not going to bully anybody. I'm going to regulate my temper. I'm going to learn to communicate properly. And then you go through your day. And the first time you do that, what changes? Next to nothing. Then you get to the end of the night and then you do a wee bit of meditation and you create that image in your mind. You put that in your long-term memory, your language, your emotion. You get up the next day and you set your intention again. This is what I'm going to do. See if you do that year after year after year. Do you know what happens? You get up one day and you're honest that day. You get up the next day and you've no host your temper. You get up the day after that and eventually you're growing into what you have decided that you're going to, to become. become. You're retraining your brain. Retraining your brain. But do you know the best thing about it all, James, is the Scottish government's woke up to this now. We need heroes, mate. We need heroes. We need other people running about us who are living their life the way that we think we would like to live their life. And you say, how did you do that? I will show you how i done that. And then I'll say, because there is lots of good people in a book. Can we talk about what you've done that documentary? Am I allowed to say I've watched aye, that aye, documentary? Aye, aye. So see when you watch that documentary you've done, mm. has everybody seen this yet? No yet, mate. We're trying to get it out there. Wait till they say that, mate, because they were, I was moved, mate. I was like, holding it back, you know, moved with somebody very human stories and some of the suffering that's going on right round about us and even your own emotional response when mm -hmm. he came out and he showed you your, yeah, your yeah, Christmas yeah. messages mm -hmm. just like fucking ah, it's hard hitting uh, very hard hitting mate but that's the truth it's what's going on do you know what right. I mean and it's uh, but I think you're for yourself man you're a hero for what you've come through I know man I think you deserve the respect that you, for what you've done mate for everything you've fucking been through and you're living proof that anybody can change man through the drink the drugs the homes, the violence, the anger, the frustration. Now you're doing so well, mate. Through your accountancy, through your seminars, you've got a beautiful wife, a son. Um, two sons. Two, two sons two now, sons sorry. Are. And you're, what you're doing is, is unbelievable, man, and I think. But see, the thing we're at is, James, I know part of the caveat we all are is, is when mm. you come through a 12-step programme, part of that is, is that you look at your past. No, what my mum done, what they but how did that affect me? And then you get the bit where harm's done to others, and then you start looking at the violence on other young men, the liberties took on other young men that's got you into there, and some very serious things that will, that was going on at that time, and you go, how can I make amends to him? How can I possibly make amends to him? Do you know what old Joe says, wise old owl, he says, Jed, do you know what you do here, son? You recover from drug addiction and alcoholism. You go and learn the literature that we've got in here, and you hang about here, and do you know what happens? See when other young men come in at the back of you, mm -hmm. you show them, you have the courage to share exactly what happened to you, even your guilt, even your shame about it all, because do you know what will happen is, you can show them a way out it as well, and that's how you get rid of the guilt and shame. Because you you're sorry it. about it, you're apologetic, aren't you, for the things that you've done? Oh, definitely, I would mm. love to sit down with the people that I've harmed. Listen, mm. I don't know if it would do more harm than, than good or no, so mm. if anybody's out there that knows that that's mm. happened, then feel free to contact, contact us, man, right? because I would love to sit down with them, and they'll be very angry and very aggressive mm. about it all, but just to explain, listen, if there's any way that I can mm. make amends for that, then I would. But what I would need to do is, is jeopardise my, my sons or my uh, my wife's well-being for it all. But I would love to sit down with somebody and thoroughly apologise for them all and explain why that all happened. But if people can hear your story, they kind of understand it. And I'm not condoning violence, but when you're contrained and conditioned to, to act in a certain way, it, it, it can be programmed for a young age, man. And it's not that we are bad people. I believe everybody's got goodness in them, do you know what I mean? And it's just... 
It's just so by as a way of life, but sometimes you've got to kind of thank your past because you're saving lives. Really? You're Excellent. helping hundreds of other people change their life, change their mindset, change their their self, their belief system. Do you know what I mean? So you've kind of got to go, f- do you know what, if I never done all that, then I wouldn't have been in a position no, I'm in. No, listen, see the thing, I know, see you living with guilt and living with shame and stuff like that, it's no a creative force, it's a survival force, and when you're in survival, you're like selfish protection, self-preservation. When you're in creation, it's selfless, it's opportunities that are happening in the future, and when you're in creation, you look back at that and say, what was all that about? It has no meaning whatsoever, but it will have meaning if I can use the experiences, learn new skills, and give other people techniques that will allow them to change their experiences. And by that, see when you start putting it out there, what, what am I doing sitting here now? So you, for instance, yeah. you start getting people come to you. You receive. You receive. So what happens is that energy starts coming back to you. And the reason I'm here now is because I'm no big on social media and stuff mm. like that. I, I don't really watch the, what is it, Glow or something yeah, like that. I didn't watch all yeah, that yeah. stuff, right? And listen, good on you, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. But I'm trying to control the content in my day. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've yeah. got a lot of stuff going on and now. Feed your mind positive stuff. Feed my mind positive. Yeah, here I'm all sitting beside mm. you and now. And then if you look at other people that's come in, I was saying to you about Jack Black's ex-wife, oh, Norma, yeah. who works for a charity now, for, it helps people with Scottish aftercare forum, or, mm-hmm. I think that they're called, and she set up massive, she'd set up mind store with Jack away mm-hmm. back, he'd done the solver method, I went and done the solver mm-hmm. method, and um, and now she's getting involved in helping to promote it all, but that's not all about like me saying and the public events, the yeah. personal development, it's like we do the stress management, we re- regulate the body, we look at goal setting, um, a lot of stuff comes for like Tony Robbins, Faye Jack Black, like Faye, um, Think and Grow, right? Millions mm-hmm. of stuff that I've learned, but I'm not shouting, listen, I'm your guru, I'm mm-hmm. on a journey exactly, myself. Exactly, because not necessarily what we're doing is right. No. Do you know what I mean? It just feels right for us. If I look at my life two years ago, four years ago, and the way I'm on now, man, my life's gone good, I'm feeling good, I know I've still got stuff. I'll be working on me today, I die, and so will you. Definitely. It's just, we're just living proof, man, that people can change, people 100%. can make the changes. What about your seminars and that? How can I people get a hold of you? How can I, people well, what book tickets? Well, it's one of Eventbrite. It's called right. Dynamic Dynamic Transformation Day. Um, and the other, the Facebook page you could like is called Dynamics Creation. It's my right. pictures that's right. on it as well. So Dynamic Creations, man, you've heard the Jed's story, man. Get involved, get lighting, and get tickets because I'm going to the next seminar. Ah, you're on, you're going to ah, yeah, I, I think there's uh, 60-odd people at that. The last mm. one, it was 80-something tickets mm-hmm. I gave maybe 10 of them away in the usual the 10 that didn't have to pay didn't turn up it's no value <laughs> but it's really just to practice stress stuff that I've learned through the Harvest Clinic as well but the idea is just to refine it because we want to start taking pro- these programmes into institutions into young into young people maybe community groups and stuff like that or people teach them how that they can downgrade their own stress response now acute stress is good I'm talking about chronic stress, mm-hmm. where it's now leading into the insomnia, when you're starting to have mental health problems, so all, that your body is now starting to get so run down that you're starting to catch every airborne virus that's going out there. We want to start, I want to start teaching people how to do that, but mainly it's so that I can refine the techniques in other people. So I was saying like Norma, so Norma runs a charity, I'm going to do some stuff with them. There's other pal of mine, James, and a uh, boy, Alan, as well. They work for the Violence Reduction Units, Big Eddie Gormley. They're all guys that are doing, um, they've had similar experiences, and they're now working with lots and lots of young people who are engaging and are desperate to change their life. Mm. But the key thing that we're, we're getting to with all is, is that, it's a five thing, there's got to be long-term projects. So, 
James was suggesting that he wouldn't recommend any man 30 on the project at the same time. It's got to go on for 18 months, so there's got to be significant funding on that. First part of that's got to deal with trauma training, how they can deal with their own trauma, their own self-limiting beliefs. The second part of that has got to be employability skills, and the end part of it is they need to get employment. Mm -hmm. See the statistic, James? See, young people, there's 15,000 currently renewed. Now, the numbers are up and down slightly. I've looked after young people happening in Scotland right now, right? So there's 15,000 young people either in care, in foster care, or the equivalent, right, in Scotland now. Historically, only 9% of them go into higher education as opposed to 39% of other young people it's not looked after. More than half of them end up in prison. Within, uh, I think it was nine months, 30% of them are homeless. They sell, uh, 45% of them have got mental health problems. So you think about it, right? You've got young people, their parents have died. They've either been drug addicts, they've been alcoholics, they've experienced sexual, physical, emotional abuse. Totally traumatised, mate, right? And all of a sudden, they go into this care environment where the corporate parent, i.e. the Scottish government and the local authorities, have, forced, uh, have got a responsibility to look after them. And they do their best and they spend massive amounts of money on that and there's brilliant people that work in that sector. But for some reason, the outcome for these young people is exactly the same as it was way back there. So more young people are going to leave the care system, become very much involved in violent behaviour, develop bad coping skills and see even the ones that don't end up in addiction, homelessness, they still die younger. They still die younger than your normal person. Why stress? I think the body has only got so much energy, mate. Mm. No, I, I don't know if that's the case. Mm. And what happens is, is we just keep gaining it away and gaining it away. Mm. And because we're using up so much energy today, we borrow some for tomorrow. And then when we use the tomorrow, we've only got half that energy and we borrow some for the next day, the next day, and the next day. And all of a sudden, we've got none left. Mm. And the game's open. And you're open to all sorts of stuff. But even the, the coping habits that we do use, like using chemicals to change alcohol and drugs, Think of the long-term effects that they're having on you. Mm -hmm. So the idea is if we can start doing these courses and if I can do what I've done, if you can do what you've done, and no being derogatory to myself, no running myself down, so the fuck can anybody else me right. if they are showing the same tools, the techniques and strategies. But see, when I'm doing my seminars, it's no like, um, it's no damage. It's actually like we some stuff like that, sports agents that are there, football agents that are coming here, guys that are running very so it's successful businesses. not just people that's got problems, that's no. people who's want to take it to the next level. Aye, aye, aye. What we need, so we do some stuff with two rehabs, right? So we're in a rehab on a Sunday, we're in a rehab on a Monday. And what we do is, is we go in there and we do workshops with them. We do working on our self-esteem. We teach them um, um, self-induced relaxation. We teach them mindfulness. We teach them techniques, how to downgrade their stress response, how to have uh, a better vision of ourselves. And it's like, and then you got other people who are looking to maybe sign... Um, Premier League football players going to their books and stuff like that you got other guys he's trying to move his company for what may happen now he's trying to move for 5 million to 30 million in the next 18 months so they're at that level but when you're in the rehabs what you've got to do is we just want them to believe that life can be different from what it was in the past right. so you're trying to teach them to work on a bit of self-confidence how to manage their stress maybe it's getting up in the during the day and brushing their teeth and getting a shower some of them are coming on quicker than other people so the main thing that I'm doing is I'm refining what's working what's not working I'm learning mind communication skills I'm practicing the techniques on myself and I'm saying listen 
what it was all about, this is what it's all about now. And then I think I was always aiming for success, if I can get this, if I can get that. And now, honestly, I think I'm aiming for fulfilment, mate. Fulfilment is what it's all about, because success, mate, you, people define success on uh, materialism, money, whatever, but your success is trying to be happy every day and progressing. Tony Robbins says that everything's about progression. You've got to keep progressing every day, keep raising the bar, and that's the sense of fulfilment and completion. But what you've done, mate, is amazing, mate, and my hat's after you. No doubt we'll do things in the future. And for people, get on the Facebook page, get a ticket, man, and you hear his story, man. The guy's doing big things, man. So thanks for coming on today, oh, brother, man. Thanks James. I appreciate Cheers, it, mate. mate. Honestly, man, love you. And we're off. Podcast Network.